Cardinals, are they for real as the top number one seed? Gonzaga going to bow out early, as they have done in the past. And dare I say, the Harvard Crimson, a Sweet 16 appearance this season? Get your boy on the program. Get him on here. Wesley Saunders, if you're listening, we'd love to uh, get you on the podcast. This is Nappy Hour. I am Bryce Setio, Dan Dupinski by my side. In our last podcast, we went through... The entire first round of the men's basketball tournament, the March Madness, has uh, is a day away from beginning, actually. It hasn't started quite yet, but the bracket pandemonium is well into uh, to full swing, into high gear oh, yeah. among all media outlets. Uh, starting to get a little sick of it, but nevertheless, we're here to uh, clear the mud as uh, you're going to be fed a lot of answers, a lot of things from different places. We're going to give you... Uh, the, sh- the the truth. We're going to shoot you straight here on Happy Hour. So <laughs> after going through round one uh, last time, we're going to go ahead through uh, round two, and then we'll give you final four, our final four picks, and we're going to go through the Elite Eight Sweet 16 championship game. We'll analyze that um, tomorrow. And then from there on, we'll continue uh, podcasting throughout the tournament, uh, analyzing games and, and updating our brackets as they continue to to fall and, and wither. Well, some of our brackets. My bracket, fall and wither, as Dan Dupinski's rises like a phoenix from the ashes. <laughs> so, Dan, let's get let's get started uh, right here. We have Louisville and Missouri both winning their games. Even if Colorado State makes it into that second round for the third round, now they're calling it with all the play-in games being the first round. Does Louisville lose that lose that game against Missouri? Uh, I mean, they're pretty equal teams. They both have. Really great guard play. Uh, Phil Pressey from Missouri can be sometimes the best point guard in the country, sometimes the worst point guard in the country. Really inconsistent. But you look at Louisville, Russ Smith taking all those shots, and Peyton Steven not always, again, like Phil Pressey, sometimes the best, sometimes the worst in the country. I think it'll be an interesting matchup. Both like to play up-tempo. Missouri likes to press a lot. But Louisville with those two guards that can really handle the ball well, I don't think they'll have a problem with them. Rest of the Midwest, we have Memphis and Michigan State moving on into the third round, as we will call it. Uh, we also have Creighton and Duke. I believe we agreed on those games. And yep. I have Duke beating Creighton. I believe you do as well. And I like that pick because Creighton isn't a lock. It could be UC. You know, that that's kind of a, an up-in-the-air game. A lot of people picking Cincinnati in that one. But I feel like Duke is going to beat whoever is in there. So it's kind of a no-brainer, kind of a conservative game plan there. I do that a lot in the second round. You know, if I think the other team might be an upset, I'll go with the other, you know, I'll move down a little bit and, and pick the team like Duke to uh, to win that game. Don't know if that made any sense to anyone. No. Dan looking at me with a confusing look, right, but no. in my brain it works. It was a good try, I guess. Michigan State beating Memphis or Middle Tennessee State or St. Mary's, I think they have that one covered. Uh, pretty much all the way, pretty much because of Tom Izzo. Some people on ESPN, though, picking Middle Tennessee State to make a little run, get to Sweet 16. I've never really, I mean, I've never really watched or whatever state. What are we, what are we just talking about? What, uh, what game here? 
Middle Tennessee State and yeah. St. Mary's. Middle Tennessee State is what I was talking about. Some ESPN experts picking them to get to the Sweet 16. I mean, I've never really watched them before, but obviously they made the tournament. They're uh, maybe an 11 seed if they win that playing game. Yeah. So. I think it's. I think the entire playing game system is pretty new with the 11 and 13 seeds in addition to 16 seed play-ins. I think it's a very new dynamic. Obviously, you know, last year it was a brand new system. So I think it's going to be, it makes it a lot more difficult to pick a team because you just have to play that one extra game, you know, right. and, and in this tournament where you only have to win a handful to, to make it to the Final Four in the championship game, it makes it all that much uh, more difficult, I imagine. So I, I have seen a lot of people pick Memphis. We did as well, pick Michigan State to beat them. So whoever uh, comes out of that 6 11 matchup, we have the three seed Michigan State Spartans beating them. The matchup that we. Have looked at inside the Midwest, though, St. Louis, Oklahoma State, as we have St. Louis beating New Mexico State, and we have Oklahoma State beating Oregon. Now, you have Oklahoma State moving on. Long ways moving on. You have them, moving go- on a while. You have them going on pretty far. Now, before we get to the Oklahoma State-St. Louis debate, we do want to look at the Oregon-St. Louis debate, if Oregon is the one who pulls off the upset against Oklahoma State. Do you take St. Louis over Oregon, or, or do you take Oregon over St. Louis? Uh, I guess my question here is, are you thinking highly of Oklahoma State or lowly of St. Louis? I think pretty highly of Oklahoma State. I think uh, with their three, their big three, if you want to call them that, Marcus Smart, Marco Brown, and LeBron Nash, all averaging almost 15 points a game. Uh, if those three play well, even if only two of the three play well, and the third just kind of just kind of stands around, gets his gets his averages, I think they'll beat a lot of teams in the tournament. They've, I mean, they're good on offense. They don't have many bad losses this year. Uh, I just think they, if those three play well, and it's, I mean, it's the tournament. Why would you not play well? I guess, I, mean, I guess there's more to that than just that. But if those three play well, no one's beating them. Last twelve games, Oklahoma State nine and three, St. Louis eleven and one, and I think you failed to mention Big Twelve uh, freshman of the year, Marcus Smart, who averaged oh, I got him. I fifteen. Got him. Okay, I'm sorry. I heard Nash and Brown, but. 15 points a game for them. St. Louis, since the start of December, 24-1 in non-overtime games, beating five ranked teams in that process. So a pretty good team. Uh, the Billikens, also interesting little story, saw them uh, watching the uh, the selection show from a Best Buy because they got <laughs> stuck in some traffic on the yeah. way to the airport. So they stopped by Best Buy and were able to see themselves uh, get placed into the bracket. Um, you know, they have... Six capable scorers, and they all can defend for St. Louis. So, a lot of a big matchup there. ESPN um, has a nice little breakdown here that we're looking at. Thirty-two percent have picked Oklahoma State to go to the Sweet Sixteen. Forty-eight percent, nearly fifty percent, picking St. Louis to make the Sweet Sixteen. So, uh, looks like St. Louis, even though they uh, well they are the four seed there, looks like a lot of people like them in that matchup. I guess if anything, Oklahoma State. Likes to go one-on-one. They've got a lot of these future NBA guys and Smart, Brown, and Nash. Uh, they like to go one-on-one, especially LeBron and Nash. Marcus Smart kind of facilitates, kind of gets the ball around there. But, I mean, if you go one in, one-on-one too many times in the tournament, it's just going to end up biting you in the butt. So you have Oklahoma State winning that one. I have St. Louis coming out as a four seed there, so a little disagreement. But uh, I guess we could both be wrong if we uh, see a little upside action there. Moving ahead to the south region of the bracket, we both agree that the number one and two seeds will take care of business. Kansas will beat either UNC or Villanova. 
and we agree that Georgetown will come on top uh, over Florida Gulf and then either beat San Diego State or Oklahoma, whoever wins that one. I think uh, we both have North Carolina and San Diego State winning those games, but also losing to Kansas and Georgetown. The two games that have been, uh, I think, more debated by us than maybe nationally in, in the media is the Michigan and Virginia Commonwealth game and the Florida-Minnesota game. I think we both have Minnesota moving on in that one. Yeah. And then I have Michigan beating Virginia Commonwealth. You have VCU beating Michigan. So let's start with the one we agree on, Minnesota beating Florida. Uh, explain to the audience why we like this Minnesota squad. I think Minnesota is, I mean, they might not have showed it in Big Ten play. Maybe just because it was such a good conference, but I think they are really a complete team. And Florida, just coming off the SEC championship loss, you never know how they're going to respond. Obviously, playing a 14 seed in the first round won't uh, won't hurt them. But uh, playing a good Minnesota team, their big men are big men in this game are huge. And I mean, pun intended, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, you've got Patrick Young for Florida, who is more of a defensive presence than anything. Uh, and you've got Trevor Mbakwe from Minnesota, who is really good on offense, has a lot in his post-game repertoire, if you will. Uh, I think that'll be the that'll be the matchup to watch. And Florida, Troy Murphy, big sharpshooter that they've got down there, can really, if Florida's going to win this game, he's going to have to have a big game shooting from the outside because we've seen Minnesota all year. They've had a problem defending the three within Big Ten play, so... Facing a team and a shooter like Troy Murphy in Florida might cause them to bow to the tournament a little earlier than they'd like. Florida ranked 13th in the AP poll, beat Marquette by 33 earlier in the year, beat Wisconsin by 18, lost to Arizona by 1, lost to Kansas State by 6, and split with Missouri. Minnesota, not ranked, went 8-10 and 10 inside the very tough Big Ten. 2012 is what they finished overall on the year. Split with Indiana, split with Michigan State, beat Memphis by 9, lost to Duke by 18. So I think that kind of says it all right there, those wins and losses from Minnesota. is that They're kind of hit and miss. You know, they When they come to play, they right. come to play. Right. When they don't, they really don't. I mean, they've got good good wins on the year, obviously. Indiana, Michigan State, uh, Memphis, who is a tournament team, no slouch there. I think they're 30-4 and four, uh, coming into the tournament. But Andre Hollins, the point guard, also have to, has to play well, I think. Point guard play in the NCAA tournament is more important than any other position on the floor just because it's, I mean, like you said, it's a hit-or-miss position for most teams. And even looking at it in, like, the Louisville and Missouri games, you've got guards there that are really, really hit-and-miss. Andre Hollins from Minnesota, though, a little more consistent than those two. I'd expect him him to manage the game better than them. ESPN computer server and uh, bracket submissions from the public on ESPN. Both have Florida at about a 70% chance of making the Sweet 16. Minnesota, if you combine their percentages, at around 30%. So not so much uh, on the same page as everyone else in the country, but we like this Minnesota team, think they're going to come to play. Game will be played in Austin, Texas. So really uh, no home court advantage there. Uh, at all, really, I think, if anything, you're going to get more Florida fans that will travel than Minnesota. But again, I mean, that's completely up for grabs. Who knows uh, yeah. on that one? The other game we're going to talk about in the South region, Virginia Commonwealth and Michigan. Michigan, the four seed. Virginia Commonwealth, the five seed. We both have VCU beating Akron. A lot of people picking Akron to upset, but as we discussed in the last episode, uh, we both like VCU in this one. You like VCU 
in the Michigan game as well. I like the VCU in the Akron game because uh, the, the coach Shaka Smart, once upon a time, was an assistant to Akron's head coach, and he is 2-0 and against his former head coach. Akron 0-6 all-time against VCU, so I'm expecting trends to continue. VCU coming out of the Atlantic 10, 12-4 in the Atlantic 10. Michigan 12-6 inside, of course, the Big 10. VCU, the last-ranked team in the AP at 25. Michigan, the sixth-ranked team. I have Michigan win this one. You disagree. You have uh, Virginia Commonwealth coming out on top. Convince me why I should reconsider. Well, before this game, I'm interested to see how Michigan comes out in their first game against South Dakota State, but, I mean, we talked about that already. Uh, If they're going to be disappointed that they didn't move on farther in the Big Ten Ten tournament or if they're going to come out and just play like they really have, especially during the middle of the year when they were winning all those games. But back to the game at hand, Michigan VCU – can Trey Burke and company uh, break the press or get anything going against that press or three-quarter pressure that VCU runs so well? Uh, VCU plays eight, eight, nine deep there on the bench, so mass substitutions just keep you running up and down the court. Those guys never get tired. Havoc is actually what they call it. Shock Smart just came up with that this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so forcing the other team to play fast, which Michigan, sometimes a half-court team, sometimes a... Sometimes a transition team, you never know quite what you're going to get. I think it's just how Trey Burke feels that day. If his, uh, his legs are good, he'll, you know, take them on breaks all the time. But I think it's really up to Trey Burke what kind of team that is. The problem I have with Michigan in that game is all their young guys and them breaking the press of VCU because nobody in the Big Ten plays a press like VCU does every single possession. I mean, you see teams pressing in the last minute, two minutes of the game, but Right for the whole game to be running up and down the court like that, I just don't know how Mitch Bagheri, if he's going to start, uh, Glenn Robinson the third, and Stauskas are all going to handle that. But it could, if anything, provide open shots in transition, especially for shooters like Stauskas and Hardaway uh, to get open shots there. But if you look at VCU, really a solid team, really well coached by, you were saying before, Shaka Smart, uh, well coached. They've been here before. They've obviously done this uh couple times there, upsetting different teams. Now they're the top dog, though. They're not looking for the upset. I mean, five versus four seed, this would be not a huge an upset. upset by the seeding ranking, but not, I not I upset. I think it would be a, a, a lot of people, a lot of people's mind. I think Michigan, Right. a lot of people felt Michigan should have gotten a higher seed, maybe maybe even a two. I might be pushing it, but uh, especially a three. So VCU has the five seed, still kind of the underdog. And not a, lot, not a lot of people know how VCU plays or how well that they play their style. Virginia Commonwealth beat Butler by 32 earlier this year, beat Memphis by 13, lost to Duke by 9, and lost a pair to St. Louis. Michigan, on the other hand, lost to Wisconsin twice, split with Michigan State, the uh, in-state rival or intermittent rival, if you will, and Kansas State uh, beat them by 14, beat Pitt by 5. Now, Michigan, this is a little point here for Virginia Commonwealth, they haven't won two in a row since January. And that was that was after starting 16 and 0 on the year. So Michigan definitely playing better basketball in the beginning of the year. Interesting to see. I mean, I guess really nobody knows why. Maybe they're uh, could they're, be, they're could on a the downhill. Ten, I mean. That is true. And, and you also mentioned in the last podcast that people have figured out how to defend Michigan. Right. They, you know, if you can guard the three pointing on the perimeter, but yet keep some some guys in close to 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 clog the lanes up a little bit, it gives Michigan some trouble. Big uh, kicker there, though, 
game will be played in Auburn Hills, Michigan. So consider that one a home game for the uh, Michigan Wolverines. Going to go ahead and move down to the East region. Uh, now, we've liked the one seeds, and uh, we actually like the one seeds in, in most of the regions there. Indiana, though, however, uh, you're big on Temple. We'll get to that in a minute, though. Uh, believe we both like UNLV over Cal and Syracuse over Montana, but think Syracuse will take UNLV in that third-round game. And then we also, uh, talking about the Butler-Bucknell game, uh, I think we both have Butler and Marquette moving on. Marquette beating Butler in the end, yeah. and then Michigan or Miami. I'm sorry, uh, beating Illinois in the third round there. So that could be an interesting game. I'm really looking forward to that. Obviously, Illinois from the Big Ten has, I mean, as good a wins as anybody this year, but as bad a losses as anyone too. Will be will be a good one to watch. Those I think that entire region there in the East. Once you get to that third round, I think the even the first round games, a couple of them will be pretty interesting. But the third round games. Uh, definitely going to be ones to watch. So back to this Indiana Temple matchup. Yeah. Uh, game we played in Dayton, Ohio. So, I mean, I guess Indiana's got the edge there, I guess mileage-wise, but I don't think a, a the drive from Philly is going to be too much on Temple fans there. Indiana, the one seed, Temple, the nine seed. Now, this is if Temple can beat North Carolina State. We'll go back to that scenario. If North Carolina State wins... You take them over Indiana, or would you take Indiana over North Carolina State? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think Indiana would match up well with a team like NC State that likes to get up and down the court like that. I know Indiana likes to run, uh, but they are a lot better, really, in half-court sets. They showed it all year when they can get the ball down to uh, to Cody Zeller down there. I forgot his name for a second. Uh, <laughs> that's not very good. Um but when they can get the ball down there in the post, that could be a matchup issue against NC State because I think their tallest guy is 6'10", Cody Zeller, an inch or two on him. Uh, and Cody Zeller really so polished with his post moves and inside game. And even on the defensive end, Indiana really, really stout. Indiana, the big favorite uh, to move out of the Sweet 16 here on ESPN. 90% of bracket submitters have picked Indiana to make it to the Sweet 16. 1.7% picking Temple to move on yeah, to the Sweet 16 round. Now, I have Indiana beating Temple. And granted, you know, Indiana, Michigan State won twice. Georgetown won by 10. Ohio State split with them. Lost to Butler by 2, ranked 3rd in the nation. A lot of people know a lot about Indiana. Yeah. The Temple squad at 23-9, and nine, not ranked in the AP, 11-5 and five inside the Atlantic 10, which was a fairly strong conference this year, overshadowed by a lot of other play, Big Ten, <clears throat> but uh, a pretty solid Atlantic 10 year. Uh, lost to Duke by 23 earlier in the year, beat Syracuse by four. At Kansas, they lost by seven, in which Khalif uh, Wyatt scored 26 points, and they beat St. Louis by 10 points uh, for uh, an Atlantic 10 uh, rival there. Now, I know you love Khalif Wyatt, 19.8 points per game. Big fan. Scored 33 against Syracuse, as I just said a second ago. Uh, scored 26 at Kansas, in Kansas. So is, is, he, is he the only X factor for Temple? Is he the only reason they beat Indiana if they do? No. Not a lot of, not a lot of people, I mean, have heard of Khalif Wyatt, obviously. But not a lot of people know about the other talent that this team does have. Uh, Scooty Randall and Jake O'Brien, who's a three-point specialist, shooting 43% this year from beyond the arc. Uh, Scooty Randall is a 
6-6 kind of guard-forward combo there. And they have actually another 6-6 guy in Rahir Hollis-Jefferson who could provide Indiana problems. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to guard them. They've got Yogi Ferrell, Jordan Halls, and Victor Oladipo, obviously. Oladipo, 6-4, Farrell and Hulls both under 6 feet. So if they play a two-guard lineup with Khalif White and Scooty Randall, Khalif White is he's a big boy. He's 6'4, 215. So, I mean, he's got he's got some meat on his bones too. He's not afraid to get into the lane and make all kinds of circus shots. I think that's I think that's why more than anything I'm a fan of him. Just because he takes these crazy shots and most of the time he makes them. I think he's shooting 44% on the year from the field. And uh but then you look down on the block, you've got a player for Temple like Anthony Lee, who would have to guard Cody Zeller, giving up two, three inches on him. Uh, Anthony Lee, only a sophomore, so you'd have to mark the advantage up to Zeller there, and I'd be surprised if Indiana does get out and run with a matchup like that on the blocks, or if they just give it to Zeller every time. And if they just give it to Zeller every time and get two points, two points, two points, I think Temple can really take advantage of that with, with the three ball. Temple averaging 72.7 points per game, allowing 68. Indiana averaging 80 points per game, allowing 62.4. Last 12 games, Temple has gone 9-3. My kicker stat here is that Temple has allowed 82.7 points per game on neutral courts. Now, I know they probably haven't played too many games on neutral courts, only a handful. If you look at tournament games and if you look at uh, the early season tournaments that get played at neutral sites, do you think that factors in at all, or do you think that's kind of a fluke that they've allowed that many points on neutral courts? Is that playing in the end's favor, or is this not coming into effect really at all? I mean, Temple, not the greatest defensive team in college basketball. I think they were in the, I mean, they were pretty far down there in defensive efficiency. Uh, just because you've got, I mean, Khalif Wyatt pretty much takes defense off. He only, I mean, he only cares about offense. But that's all. I mean, that's all you really need if you're Khalif <laughs> Wyatt. Uh, obviously, a big fan. If you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show too. Bryce's Harvard guys can, I mean, you can talk to the Harvard guys. I'll take Khalif Wyatt any day over them. But back to the game at hand before I, whatever. Uh, obviously, the three-point shooting, Indiana has not guarded the three-point shot well within the Big Ten Conference. But like you were talking about, uh, I forgot what you were talking about early two seconds ago. 82 points on a neutral floor, yeah. I don't think that's a big deal. Uh, they've played Syracuse on a neutral floor at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Kansas, they played at Kansas. But Syracuse, obviously, a high-scoring team, really a lot like Indiana. Indiana likes to get up and down. Uh, but in this game, I'd be interested to see if they do take the up-and-down game or just throw it inside again. Now, Khalif White, 8-10 player of the year. And as we finish on those final thoughts there, this matchup, Exactly why I'm going to take Indiana and disagree with you. Politely disagree with you. Uh, I, I love your points there for Temple, and I think I really do think they have a real shot. But I think in the end, I think Indiana is going to have too much offense for the Temple defense, averaging 80 points per game. I think you can see them score 85, maybe 90 against Temple with the way that they have played defense. Really, um, not too much of a stretch, I don't think. Moving on to our final region in the West. Um, I think we both have Gonzaga moving on uh, into the Sweet 16, Wisconsin-Kansas State game. I think we disagree on the Arizona and whoever they play. You have New Mexico, I have Harvard. Uh, We disagree on that one. 
And then Iowa State, Ohio State. Um, some people do have Notre Dame winning that one. An interesting matchup. I think, there, I I think. think that's all about matchups when it comes down to the winner of the I- Iowa State-Notre Dame game. Um, so a lot of conflicting action there in the West region. So let's start with that Ohio State matchup. Uh, I have Ohio State beating Iowa State in my bracket. And I think we both agree that Notre Dame has a better shot against Ohio State, but we both like Iowa State against Notre Dame. Yeah. So, how does that come into play? Well, I think Notre Dame matches up better with Ohio State just because of their big guys down low. Iowa State not as big down in the post area there for guys like Deshaun Thomas, like Amir Williams from Ohio State, like Evan Ravenel, uh, just getting down there, bullying them on the post. But Iowa State against Notre Dame, I think Iowa State's guards, they play, they play a four-guard lineup at, at times. Uh, I think their guards are too quick for Notre Dame, I think. Uh, they're three-point shooting, and they're a lot of fun to watch. So, Iowa State. I'm taking Iowa State over Ohio State just because I made a note here. Will Clyburn averaging 15 points per game from Iowa State. He's six seven. I think he's one of the few people that can guard. Uh, that can keep Deshaun Thomas in check. And if I was the coach, I would not switch on screens at all off of Deshaun Thomas, not help on defense at all off of Deshaun Thomas. I would let all those other guys from Ohio State, you have to make them beat you rather than Deshaun Thomas. Ohio State 9-3 and three in their last 12 games. Kansas State 7-5. and five. Big difference there against the top 25. Iowa State 1-5 and five. and Ohio State 4-5. and five. Ohio State has played a tough schedule, lost to Duke by 5, split with Indiana, went 2-3 of three against Michigan State, lost Kansas by 8, and split with Michigan. Iowa State lost to Kansas three times this year, split with Kansas State. Oklahoma State they split with as well and lost UNLV by 12. I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one. You have Iowa State. I have Ohio State. Yes. Go ahead and move on to the one that's less muddled, the Wisconsin game. Uh, both have Wisconsin-Kansas State, a matchup between the four and the five. Also, quick note, Ohio State-Iowa State game will be played in Dayton, so... Furthermore, Ohio State with uh, some home court advantage there. Uh, moving on to Wisconsin-Kansas State game, however, four versus five seed game will be played in Kansas City, so that favors your pick there of Kansas State over Wisconsin. I have Wisconsin uh, winning that one. Tell me why I'm wrong. Rodney Magruder for Kansas State. I think he's going to be a matchup nightmare for the Badgers. Obviously, team defense for Wisconsin is huge. Uh, one of the best defenses in the country there in terms of scoring defense. But Rodney Magruder really is. He's a 6'4". He plays shooting guard for them. So if you look at Wisconsin's matchups there, you've got Ben Bruss and Trayvon Jackson at the two guard spots. Ben Bruss, 6'2". Trayvon Jackson pushing six feet, maybe, on a good day. Uh, I think Rodney Magruder averaging almost 16 points per game and six rebounds. Uh will just be too much for the Badgers. Good shooter, uh, good passer, and against this Wisconsin this Wisconsin defense, that's that's what you're going to need. They'll give you some deep open shots that Magruder has proved he could make all year. So that's, that's my argument, Rodney Magruder. Wisconsin plays well against offensive teams, beating Indiana twice, lost to Michigan State twice, beat Michigan twice. Florida lost by 18 earlier this season. Kansas State beat Florida by 6, lost to Kansas three times, lost to Gonzaga by 16, went 2 of 3 with Oklahoma State. Both these teams very good defensively. 
was yep. conference Wisconsin allowing 55.9 points per game, Kansas State allowing 60.3, and then it's pretty similar uh, difference there offensively. Kansas State with five more points allowed on defense, but five more points scoring on offense, 69.2 per game for Kansas State, 65.5 for Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin this one. I think the Big Ten has prepared them for this game, which is pretty much going to be very, very defensive. Yeah, it's going to be pretty Big Ten-ish, if that's... That's what you're going to call it. Right. Uh, it'll be a tough game, obviously, played in the low blocks. Uh, kick it out to your shooters. But here's the thing. If Wisconsin doesn't shoot well from three, they're not going to beat anyone. They might lose in the first round if they if they don't shoot well from three-point I'm going to go out on a limb and have Wisconsin. Uh, I have them advancing, a, I think, a couple more games after this one. But uh, I do agree with you. I think they could they could drop early, and it really would be not too much of a surprise. But I think the, the, the way they play defense is really going to help them out uh, and help them make a, a good run um, in the tournament. So you're going to take Kansas State, uh, win that game, which will be in Kansas City. Uh, home court advantage. Close enough. Wildcats. Very much so against Wisconsin, who will have uh, quite the mileage difference there from the Wildcats. Now, here's the interesting matchup here. Yeah, talk about Harvard. I know you want to. Harvard <laughs> in New Mexico. Now, you have New Mexico winning that game. I have Harvard winning that game. I have Harvard also beating Arizona. And I believe you have New Mexico. Yeah, I have New Mexico sweeping their little uh, Beating Arizona. Their little four-team stretch there. Now, I, I'm going to go ahead and say Arizona-Belmont. That's a pretty weak game. I think Arizona's overrated. I think Belmont's overrated, and they're an 11th seed. I, I think whoever That's wins... Rough. That's a rough one. The Belmont Bruins over there. Whoever wins the New Mexico-Harvard game... We'll, I, I feel like they have an automatic bid to the Sweet 16. I think the next game is a shoe-in, not only because New Mexico is a solid team and they're going to beat you know one of these overrated teams they're going to face in the following round, but I think if Harvard uh, can pull off the win against New Mexico, they're going to have some you know slipper issues and really think they can start dancing. And it's a lot about confidence, you know, if they can get there. Uh, I said it once, I'll say it again. Harvard shoots 50 some percent from the field. They shoot 52% from beyond the arc. And I've heard this. This is probably the only thing I've agreed with ESPN uh, watching their coverage of the brackets today was that the guard position might be the make-or-break factor in the tournament. It really boils down to guards more than forwards and centers in the tournament. And I think if you're going to shoot 52% from three-point land, they are going to do pretty well. You don't think... That Harvard's going to shoot that well in the tournament. They think they're going to be defended more so than they have been yeah. in the Ivy League. I mean, I'm not I'm not dissing the Ivy League at all, but I just think I mean Arizona will have better athletes. If I mean, even New Mexico will have better athletes. Will make them get up tougher shots. I mean, in the end, even if they shoot what 45 percent, I think I mean they'll probably win. But three's obviously worth more than two. <laughs> keep saying that, but should be fairly obvious. Uh, but I think if I mean if Harvard shoots over forty percent from three, even forty five I think is would be the magic number for them. They'll win. I mean they could go as far as you want them to go. Arizona now they beat Miami and Florida early on in the year. They started twenty and two. A lot yeah. of people forget that. Beat Miami. They were, ranked, they were ranked in the top ten, maybe like number six, five. They were they were up there. They're at eighteen right now, so they're not too far down. They've flown a little bit under the radar, I guess would be the best way to say it. But they beat Miami. 
um, before they really started to get hot. Miami yeah. was definitely a second half of the season type team. Beat them by 19, beat Florida by one. Lost to UCLA three times, though. That's what kills me. And Colorado went two and one against Colorado this season. Harvard, really not a great record. Uh, I mean, going 19 and 9, 11 and 3 inside the Ivy League. Uh, I mean, 11 and 3, I feel like it's pretty solid. If you any worse than that, um, I don't think I'm picking you to, to advance any further than one round uh, in this tournament. Beat Cal by five at Cal, lost to 10 at Memphis. Lost by one at St. Mary's and lost by eight at UConn. Now, naturally, none of these teams are going to travel to Harvard. So you're going to see a lot of these games that they play out of conference on the road. Yeah. Uh, sophomore Wesley Saunders, the guy we've been talking about, he's he's shooting over 53%, I think it is, uh, from three-point land. So in the end, 2.9% uh, of people... Uh, 2.9% is the chance the computer on ESPN has given Harvard to make the Sweet 16. The bracket submitted even lower than that at 1.7%. But I'm also played in Utah, so Harvard going to have to fly across the country, Arizona, a nice little, nice little bus ride up there to Salt Lake City. But as I mentioned, Harvard, we could see some private jetliners. <laughs> Um, a lot of money in the, uh, things over there. that's a pri- that's a very up, uh, well-to-do, uh, crimson community there, um, in the, in the Northeast of our beautiful, uh, United States, <laughs> Harvard 0-1 against top 25 teams, uh, as we mentioned, playing UConn and St. Mary's losing to both of them and Arizona only 2-0. So Arizona not really playing the toughest of talent, only playing two teams that have been ranked, you know, inside the top 25 when they played them. Yeah. I think that opens the door for Harvard, and I think it is up to Harvard to you know kick the door wide open with their shooting. And like I said earlier, if they beat New Mexico, it'll be because they continue to shoot well. And if you shoot well against New Mexico, you're going to shoot well against Arizona. Right. I mean, even in the first-round matchup against who's Arizona playing the first-round Belmont, experts are saying Arizona doesn't like to defend the three. And I mean, you're saying for Harvard, that's their that's their weapon is the three point shot, and if they shoot over fifty percent, I mean, might as well mark them down for the national championship. If they can shoot over, <laughs> if they can shoot over fifty percent from three the whole tournament, they'll win the national championship. Now, I have to agree with you there, but you know, as as we both agree that you know Ivy League not the stiffest of competition by any means, so a little easier to shoot fifty percent. I still think if you bring that down to you know, you know forty percent from beyond the arc you're going to be pretty successful in this tournament. And they may live and die by the three ball, but I remember watching a Marquette team a couple of years ago, maybe more than a couple of years ago, but they made a deep run of the tournament because they could shoot the three ball pretty well. And, I mean, you can be as hot as you want for a couple of games, but I, I think eventually every, you're not going to be able to shoot that well for three weeks in a row, I don't think. Call it a gut feeling, call it stupidity. I have Harvard, <laughs> something, huh? the Harvard Crimson. I have them uh, inside the Sweet 16. Uh, just call them your temple uh, to you, I guess. Both at under 2% uh, bracket submitted on ESPN uh, have picked them to go into the Sweet 16. And uh, some of that percentage currently in the building right now. Approaching yeah. the 35-minute mark Holy on our podcast um, let's quickly get the final four picks in here and uh, sign off for this time. All right, Oklahoma State from the Midwest. Let's think if those three 
obviously Marcus Smart, Markel Brown, LeBron Nash, they all play well. No one's beating them. Uh, Kansas from the south, I think they're the most complete team in the country and could really go far depending on how Elijah Johnson plays. He's been hot the last couple weeks. Miami from the east, after Temple beats Indiana, like I'm talking about here, <laughs> uh, I don't think they'll have enough in the tank for Miami, who will essentially, I don't want to say walk to the Final Four, but I mean, maybe, maybe a little jog. Yeah. And Gonzaga from the West. People aren't giving them any any credit. They're thinking like, oh, Gonzaga doesn't deserve a one, so they should be a two, maybe a three. They haven't played anyone all year. But you watch this Gonzaga team there, I mean, they're as good as any team in the country. They've, I mean, they've got wins. They've got wins on the road. They've played close games. They've had games where their leading scorer doesn't, doesn't score more than five points. I just think, I mean, plus all the disrespect really fuel for the fire there, so. That's my final four. Oklahoma State, Kansas, Miami, Gonzaga. For me, I have gone the lackluster route and picked some high-ranking officials to move on to the final (laughs) four. Midwest, I have number one seed Louisville, number one seed Kansas in the south, number one seed Indiana in the east. And the west, though, is where I am really torn. Uh, The Gonzaga-Wisconsin game, um, I feel like that's going to be a real barn burner. Um, not so much in the scoring department, but really in the effort department. Um, I feel like those teams are really going to tear each other apart. That'd be, that'd be an interesting game, but we can we can talk about that tomorrow. We, we will get to that in the future. And then OSU, I mean, in all likelihood, they're going to play New Mexico, even though I have Harvard in the Sweet 16. Gotta believe. Gotta believe. I am believing. I have them <laughs> down on paper. Uh, I'm just trying to be a realist for all those listening along. Uh, I have they, Ohio- don't need that. they don't need more realists. I have Ohio State moving on from the West. I think the way they've played Wisconsin um, in the in the regular season will prove you know the same if they if they end up facing them. I mean, besides the twenty point loss, but we won't talk about that. If they face Gonzaga, they will be the better team against Gonzaga, playing better competition, being better prepared more so for that one. And then if they play uh, New Mexico or Harvard. I feel like they have the upper hand in that. For the same reasons, I think they have the upper hand in with the Gonzaga. So, therefore, I have Ohio State coming out of the West. So, again, Louisville, Kansas, Indiana, Ohio State. All right. Thanks for listening. Bryce Sedio here, Dan Napinski. Uh, to my left today, follow us on Twitter at BSedio and at NappyBoy23. Thanks for listening.